Hey friends, you're listening to Worst Show Ever. I am in an RV with Elliot Harvey in the southeast corner of Portland. It's a very particular spot we're in. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but you described it as, as liminal. And I like that a lot. It's sort of like right between an alley and a state park. Is this a city park, state park? Yeah. Okay. What's the name of the park? Kingsley Bundy Park. Which we were discussing whether or not Kingsley Bundy is an ancestor of Clive and Bundy. Oof. We don't know. I'll Google that later. <laughs> uh, but beautiful area. We are hanging out. We've known each other a long time, but never About hung eight out. years. Has it been that long? Mm-hmm. Really? I have no sense. 2010. Wow. That's <laughs> awesome. We met at a show, and Elliot gave me a CD of their band's A Stick and a Stone, which I love. And this was the pre-release version. This was the demo version. Of our first album. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. It's called Opal Nightly. It's still one of my favorite records. And Thanks. I think that's one of the only times that that's happened. I mean, this happens a lot when you're on tour. Sometimes somebody will be like, hey, here's my record. Check it out. And, you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to be an asshole, but sometimes it's not your thing you know sometimes you're like cool i'll check that out and you do and you're like nope i don't want to listen to that anymore um <laughs> that happens and it's not that often where i'm like whoa i'm really glad and it's like someone just gave me this at a show <laughs> and they didn't have to like you weren't playing that show it was like that's how i found out about your music you were hanging out yeah, um, I wanted to buy your CD and I didn't have money, but I had my CDs that we traded. Yeah, and I'll just, <laughs> I'm just saying this because most of the time when someone asks to do that, I resent them for it. <laughs> and even if I say yes, it's because I don't want to be a jerk. But I'm like, you can't trade a CD if you're not playing the show. That's not how that works. <laughs> right. You know, like there's times when I play with bands that I'm not that into. They might be nice folks. I like them as people, but I might not be into their music and they want to do a trade. And I'll usually say yes, because I don't want to be a jerk. And it's, <laughs> it's kind of this unwritten thing that like you're supposed to trade if you're going to play, play a show, a show together. together. But if people are not <laughs> playing the show and they show up it's with weird. stuff, I mean, I played the show, so you know what I sound like, but I don't, but know, you don't know anything about like. you. So most of the time in that situation. I and I have to say that's the only time I've ever done that. And I normally wouldn't, but something instinctually told me that it would be okay. <laughs> and so. you were totally right. And I'm really glad you did. So it's a strange <laughs> thing because I, at the same time, want to say don't do that in general. But when Elliot did it, it was good. <laughs> it was like something I'm really, really grateful for. But also because not everyone's a good judge of who will like their music. That's not a thing most people can judge well. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what you like, but you don't know what someone else likes. Mm -hmm. And it's weird how many people will say like, oh, you would really like my stuff. (laughs) Really? People say that. I'm going to go ahead and say it's usually like I've had people be like, oh, you would really like this other band. Yeah, that's different. But and that's still based on them the knowing something. The audacity to say you would really like my band. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> and I'm just saying, it's usually like straight cis white dudes who think they are the center of the world <laughs> most of the time. Um, it's uncomfortable because you're like, I don't want to tell you no, but you're kind of putting this on me. like, <laughs> And especially like guitar players, because I'm a solo bassist, they're like, oh, dude, we should jam. And that usually means... You should play like a bass lines like that I can note. that I can riff over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And I'm like, yeah, that's not that's not fun for me. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was really glad you did that, and I got super into the record. And then later, when you put the record out for reals, I was so into the demo version, I was skeptical. <laughs> I was like, oh wait, 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 you changed it? You did other stuff to it? I don't know. I don't know if I can hang <laughs> with that. Harp and cello? What? <laughs> yeah, and then it turned out you added harp and cello, and I was like, oh, you know, this is amazing. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, I love that record. So I'm curious to hear what your your worst show ever is. Right. So when you asked me that question, what's your worst show ever? I was looking back into my memories and I had that experience of like, I don't remember. It's all just a blur <laughs> because right. I did 15 tours in five years from age 20 to 25. Okay. And how old are you now? I'm 31. 31, okay. <laughs> Some context, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I left Philadelphia and moved to the woods and took a three-year hiatus from touring. Right, right. <laughs> and then I started to slowly pick it back up, doing maybe one or two a year. Um, what town were you living in that you just moved from? I can never... Oh, uh, I was just living in a rural town outside of Portland called Scaphoos. Scaphoos. Yeah, about okay. an hour outside of where we are now. Yeah, when you first told me you were in Scaphoos, <laughs> I was like, I have no idea about that. <laughs> yep. I don't even know that that's a word. I don't know what you're saying. Yep, that's what I liked about yeah. <laughs> middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so I definitely know that I played a lot of bad and weird shows on those first five years of touring, um, especially because I was doing all like underground DIY tours that I booked myself, and yeah. I was really just starting from scratch, especially in the beginning, and yeah. I remember being like, I'm going to set up a show at this like community center in Atlanta. I don't know anyone in Atlanta. I'm just going to find some people on MySpace, because it was that long ago. Right. <laughs> right. I remember those days well. Yeah, yeah, and I just found this like teenage hip-hop artist who performed alongside this like you know like early 20s pop punk band and i just kind of scrambled some shit together you know? okay like a diy venue or you mean yeah. more like a oh no not like a rec center no okay like... okay gotcha. <laughs> i was like well that's different i didn't go that route no it was at, it was at a diy like okay gotcha. show space art space i don't even remember what it's called yeah, anyway. um so anyway and, and also, I, I got booked with a lot of, um, you know, acoustic guitar singer-songwriter people, right. and I didn't love that, because even though I played acoustic guitar and sang songs that I wrote, it felt like a totally different uh, vibe, or, yeah. I hate the word vibe, okay. <laughs> but you know, know what, what I'm mean. saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that happens to you, too, where they're like, oh, you play solo bass? Uh yeah. Play with this other yeah. solo bassist who's playing something completely different. Yeah, <laughs> so, there's a lot more acoustic guitar player yeah. singers out there than there are solo bassists, but I know what you mean. I feel like I get put in that as far as loop players. Oh, yeah. And I was just talking to a friend about this um, last night, actually. My friend Holland. You probably... Do you know Holland? Yeah. She was saying about how we both make this music with loops, but then we always get paired with other people who make loop music and neither of us actually likes the vast majority of music being made with loop pedals <laughs> but it's a funny thing it's like oh you do loops you must love loops and so you want to hear this holland didn't say this but i was thinking like when i'm listening to 
someone play music with a loop. There's just, there's a lot of cliches. There's just like a lot of things that people usually do mm. that I'm probably more sick of because you're I've constantly seen, booked with loopers. Yeah, I've seen it so much. Yeah. And so the classic one is like the person who. Sounds like they're being chased by an army of themselves. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. I just was going to say the person, some people take the route of like playing a drum beat on their guitar and then playing a bass line on their guitar and then mm-hmm. playing a guitar line on their guitar. And like they're just still making like rock songs but using a guitar. Mm. Uh, and then every song starts with like here's the drum part and then here's the bass part and then here's the guitar part. Right. It's still this like very. It can take away from the dynamics that come with other types of songwriting. Yeah. Where you don't have to layer it all to a machine. Yeah. And it just feels like the first 30 seconds to a minute is just like getting ready to play the song mm-hmm. and then really playing the song. Right, right. And it just You're like, feels let like me a set the song of, up. A <laughs> lot of like waiting. Yeah. And I get really tired of that. Yeah. But um, anyway. And then there's the. Um, I mean, now things are getting better where you can fade out different loops with some new pedals, but I remember when it first started, there was just like, it can only go in one direction. Totally. It can only build up. That's mostly what Holly and I were talking about. And she's, she's actually just in the zone right now of like going some new directions, partly because of that fatigue of like having those limitations. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, she's learning She's talking about learning Ableton Live right now and like figuring that out. And nice. um, I totally, totally hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you've been, you got booked with a lot of singer songwriters. <laughs> yep. But then I started um, playing electric bass and then I started playing with a drummer. Yeah. And then the um, darker elements of my songwriting became more like recognized because I okay. wasn't playing acoustic guitar. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right, right. So. When I was ready to go back into touring, it was after I had moved out here, but I had already recorded and written stuff with my drummer in Philadelphia. And I had, I started to write viola parts for this violist um, to go along with the songs that I had written with this drummer back in Philadelphia. Right. And um, the two of them had never met before. Right. Um, and, uh, we had all three, as a three piece had never practiced before. Right. Um, and so our plan was, uh, Danny, the drummer was going to come down from Philadelphia to Tennessee. And then the violist and I were going to come from Oregon to Tennessee. And then we were going to stay in my friend's cabin who lives on land in the neighborhood of rural Tennessee. Um, and we were just going to practice for three days straight. Yeah. And then go on tour. <laughs> gotcha. For 10 days. And um, the first day that we had to practice, um, it turns out that the, the PA we were b- borrowing did not have its power cord. Wow. And being, okay. being that we were in rural Tennessee, it wasn't easy to just go down to a right electronic store and get one. So How um, far were you from Nashville? Or like... Uh, we were, I think, about three hours from Nashville. Oh, okay, nowhere near. Kind of in between Knoxville and Nashville. So that first day that we were going to practice, the drummer drove to Nashville, got a power cord for the PA, and drove back. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then the next day, we did all practice. They had never met each other. (laughs) So we practiced for one day, and it was pretty productive. And then 
we were like, all right, we have one more day to practice. Um, and then uh, the violist woke up with a horrible stomach virus and was puking his face out. Oh, man. Yeah. And then our first show was supposed to be the next day. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then on top of that, it was during New Year's Eve at, you know, Shore Mountain Sanctuary and Ida and all that whole community of, um, like... I don't I'm not familiar. But... There's a... In this rural area of Tennessee, there's a community of all these different farms and land projects run by queer people. Okay. There's, like, a little village. Okay. Some people call it the Gaberhood or... Okay. <laughs> the Faberhood, because they're all fairies. Okay. Um, and so, you know, people from all over come to this rural area for gatherings and for things like New Year's Eve parties okay, or whatever. Totally. So yeah. in the house where we were all, me and my bandmates were there to just practice in, the, in my friend's cabin, there was also a reunion of friends of mine from New Orleans, from Florida, from Philadelphia, from all over, right. had all packed from Canada. Okay. There was 11 people staying in a two-bedroom house. Ooh, okay. <laughs> and one of the bedrooms had to be quarantined because of the VLS needing to be puking his brains out for days. Um, oh, and the rest of us are just all sleeping on floors. Things that I'm not going to do anymore. <laughs> that's, a, that's like a mantra that comes from touring where you're like, that is a thing I will not do anymore. Yep. Like booking tours where there's like, 12 hours of driving between shows. You yep. do that, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to not do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, no, recent, no I recently um, I played a show where uh, the person we were going to stay with afterwards um, was not getting back in touch with us about where their address was, and it was like 1 a.m., and so then someone else offered to let us stay in their place, and yeah. it was just like trash and rats everywhere and drunk dudes playing video games everywhere and just yeah. like total like squalor yeah and my bandmates looked and were like okay i guess this is what we're gonna do and then i was just like no i'm buying us a hotel room i don't care if we only made 50 bucks at the show tonight like i'm not gonna i'm do not doing anymore. this anymore <laughs> yeah. god damn it i'm too old for I'm, shit i'm 30 years old i'm not i'm not Sleeping I'm, on your beer-drenched I have couch. learned how important sleep is when you have to perform and travel every yeah. single day. So I'm like, nope. That's true. <laughs> yeah. For me... And we were going to go to Canada the next day and cross the border. So I was like, no, we are going to sleep tonight. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, that's all to say the, um, the tour had already got off on a weird note. And yeah. um, on top of that, the, the other band that we were going to tour with, the next day was driving down to Tennessee for our first show to meet with us. It was our friends from Philly, the Invasive Species. Cool. And um, halfway there, their car completely died. Damn. Shut down. Yeah. <laughs> so there were just so many layers of chaos happening. No, wait. Um, I want to ask, I want to make sure. So, dude, the viola player got this stomach virus mm -hmm. woke up it was like the day before your first show woke up puking mm -hmm. then the next day is he okay is he still puking is he um yeah it must have been some kind of 24-hour bug because okay. then the next day we had our show and he was still puking a little in the morning then... <laughs> just puking a little <laughs> minor and by pukage. the time it was time to play 
He was not puking anymore. Yeah. And and luckily, you know, it was it it was our first show it was on January first. And okay. so uh everyone at this show was hungover. From, <laughs> Luckily, from, everyone was hungover. From doing like acid the night before at this right. like radical fairy party. So, so it was the first show in the neighborhood. We only, yeah, we only had one show there. We were mostly just okay. there for three days to practice beforehand. But I mean, the first show of the tour was. Oh there. right, yeah, the first show of the tour okay. was. Um, you weren't like practicing there and then driving to Nashville or. Yeah, no, we we performed for the community there because it's actually a pretty big community, and cool. there was a lot of also people who had traveled for New Year's who were there who yeah. came to the show. I have heard, I have heard of this spot. I've never been there. I'm yeah, actually, yeah, because you're not gay. <laughs> that's true. But I I know a lot of folks who've been to there now that you, now that you've like described Refreshed it more. I'm like, oh yeah, I've heard it called the things anyway um so that's all to say our first show was rough because you know the violist was still a little sick and we had only been able to practice for one day right. ever right. as a three-piece right. um but luckily everyone was in such a like afterglow from new year's eve haze that they were like this is great <laughs> right <laughs> and you know then the band that we were touring with they they weren't able to make it to that show because their car broke down but then they were able to figure out another way to get to our next show in Asheville and things were picking up Asheville was really awesome okay. um and the other cities that we went to and then we got to Baltimore Maryland <laughs> and that's okay. I can't say that it is 100% the worst show ever but it's the one that stands out the most fresh in my mind okay because it was only a few years ago <laughs> right but so this you played in the neighborhood Asheville and then Baltimore. So it's like no, no, no. We, the... we stopped in Chapel Hill. That was okay. an awesome show. We stopped in DC. That was an okay. awesome show. Okay. Um. So yeah. Things. Well, I ask only because then to say you've already now had some good shows. Yep. And okay. Because that creates a little bit of a contrast. <laughs> yeah. Because if it was just like oh well we didn't get to practice so the shows were bad that'd be one thing but it's like okay no we 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 were off to a rough start. But then but we, we picked we, it back up you, and we had some solid. triumphant moments. Yeah. <laughs> Or some really great shows. Right. And then we get to this uh, warehouse in Baltimore. And it was a space that was mostly for, um, like, anarchist or super leftist political organizing. Um, yeah. But, you know, they also would have shows and events and stuff. Yeah. And they also had a section of the warehouse that was full of f free books and that was really fun, kind of like going through these really outdated Dungeons and Dragons encyclopedias. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like <laughs> radical, like, you know, anarchist cookbook kind of thing. No, no. no. They had a different section of the warehouse that was like zines and like political literature, but then they also just had like a section of like free junk. Right. That it was just... stuff that people there didn't want. Yeah, so yeah, not, yeah. Not the Naomi Klein and, and exactly. like Mary Baraka, but the, <laughs> the other stuff. Okay. Yep. Um, and, you know, there was, like, a older silver-haired guy who was, like, going through these old Dungeons & Dragons books with my bandmates, and it was really fun at first, and, yeah, but it was also freezing, because oh, it was January, January, and it's this huge cement warehouse, Right. and my bandmate and I are both really sensitive to being cold, like, I... I'm always the coldest person in a room who's, like, wearing a sweater when everyone else is wearing T-shirts. But, yeah, it was freezing. And they had a wood stove. That was all they had to heat it. And it was right next to all these free books. And um, the wood stove had all these cracks in it. 
<laughs> um, okay. And so, like, embers were flying out. And I'm just like, this is a fire. <laughs> you know? right. And not just embers, but also smoke. Right. And also, the heat is not ruminating correctly. So, basically, the space... Or not the space heater. The, the wood stove um, isn't really doing much to heat up this big cement freezing warehouse and right. all it's really doing is filling up the warehouse with smoke okay. <laughs> so are you saying there was was there a ventilation system and it wasn't working are you saying there was cracks like in the what do they call it the flu or whatever the, there the, was the cracks in the actual body of the okay of the um you know yeah main part where you put the wood in so it was so cold that we could all see our own breath right and there was smoke um, <laughs> and, you know, this is before a ghost ship happened and people started to be more concerned about fire right. hazards in right. warehouse show spaces. Right. Um, and so uh, my bandmate, my drummer had this great idea of, like, how about we get some whiskey because that will make us more tolerant to the cold, you know. Okay. And, um, you know, there are these fancy glasses in the, like, free junk section that we filled up <laughs> <laughs> That we filled up with whiskey, and we had this great, like, tour, you know, toast, and drank down this whiskey, but the thing that wasn't considered is that I never drink. Oh, okay. <laughs> My thing is that I drink once a year on the Jewish holiday of Purim, and okay. the rest of the time, I just don't drink. Right. <laughs> and so, I'm a total lightweight, and... I guess I should correct myself. It's not that I don't drink. I don't get drunk. Okay. I'll regularly have maybe like one glass of wine or one cider, you know. Right. And so in my mind, I was like, okay, like a big shot of whiskey. It's like one drink, you know. And okay. I just gulp it all down. But a shot of whiskey is very different than a glass of wine yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> that you're sipping over dinner. Right, so right. Uh, I got really drunk. <laughs> right. I was just a little bit... Not myself, let's say. Okay. <laughs> um, just what? kind of disorganized and losing coordination and just like blurting out random things that didn't really, <laughs> weren't really appropriate, which I already do a little bit anyway, but. <laughs> do you remember this or is this what people told you? I wasn't blacked out. I remember okay. it. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, and then my tour mates, not my bandmates, but the other band, the Invasive Species, um, they had started to get sick in Chapel Hill, uh, the, the lead singer, Manny. Oh, okay. um, but it was getting progressively worse to the point where they um, skipped the DC show because they were so sick. Okay. Um, like the whole band was sick? or Just the, the singer, but okay. then um, the, uh, the guitarist was having back pain that was getting worse and worse. And okay. then um, the drummer, Justin, by the time we got to DC, had pretty full-blown... I don't remember if it was bronchitis or laryngitis or oh, both. God. I think it was both. Shit. So they're they're all just dying. <laughs> um, okay, so none of it except was except for what... the bass player, who of course is the only one who's young. <laughs> bass players, they're hard um, a lot. But like everyone else in this band, they're 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 legends. You know, they're um, in their early forties and um, they've been playing in punk bands and touring since they were like nineteen. Right. You know, and. Okay. Mandy has performed in a bunch of other bands, um, Beware the Blunted Needle, and Gab the Great Cackler. Justin plays in Northern Liberties, and Reed. They had all just played in a bunch of different bands. Right. And they're still doing it. It's amazing. But their immune systems were not coordinating. Okay. Or, 
Sounds very coordinated. <laughs> Sounds like they all took a took a dive all, at the same time. Yeah, they were all coordinated with each other, but yeah. their immune systems were not coordinating with their tour. But yeah, they got to Baltimore and they were still all very sick, but they still played an amazing set. They were just amazing. Um, Mandy's a really good front woman and singer, and and then it was our turn to play, okay. <laughs> and I was freezing. And my bass was freezing and wouldn't stay in tune, and right. I was drunk. Yeah. And I don't know how to be drunk. <laughs> 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 and the PA system was not working, it kept crapping out on us. And so, like, setting up was this long, drawn out thing. Then we finally played, and in the middle of playing, like, my distortion pedal stopped working. Um, okay. <laughs> and so then I had to like replug everything to not use the distortion pedal. And then during, I think the third song, my middle bass string just popped off and broke, which probably Holy has shit. to do with how cold it was because okay. it was so tight and I was playing really hard on it. Okay. And yeah. so it just like flung out <laughs> and I think it actually whacked me in the face. <laughs> oh damn. For those who don't know, bass strings don't break very often. Yeah. It's probably happened to me like maybe five times in my whole life. No, like, usually you just change your bass strings because you've had them on for years. It's not yeah. because they broke. Or you, <laughs> or you just don't change them in yeah, yeah. some cases. I can't, but, I don't, but, I have no idea how long these bass strings, probably since that tour, which is years ago. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, played the rest of that song with only three strings and then was like, okay. <laughs> Um, We're not having a good time here. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it was so cold and smoky in there that like a lot of people had come to the show uh, because they were interested in it, but after standing around a little bit, we're like, you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to go somewhere that's not <laughs> yep. cold and smoky. Yeah, uh, and that ended up being kind of a blessing in disguise because... Playing that bad of a set in, in front of a larger crowd would have been more stressful. Especially yeah. yeah. But, yeah, did not do so well. I learned a lot. <laughs> right. Now, I'm curious, I was just thinking about this, as I have all these different stories I'm hearing now, and I, I've st sort of made these categories now, and one category is when, like, one bad thing leads to another bad thing leads to another bad thing or whatever, or there's, mm -hmm. like, one central really terrible thing mm -hmm. and then another category is when there's like mostly unrelated bad things just all converging at the same time and you're <laughs> sort of fall in that latter category right. i'm trying to think of which of the things that happened were related most of it's not related right like well it's sort of related because i mean some things are not related but i guess i should say like the fact that it was cold was the reason why I decided to drink, even though I right. usually don't drink. Right. And the fact that it's cold is also why my bass string exploded. Right. Um, so those ones are connected. But, like, that wasn't related to your viola player getting sick. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking of, like, the sheer number of things... Because some of the things I'm going to guess... And also, like, the car breaking down with the other band and everyone getting sick. Right, like, that's right. not related. <laughs> it's just, But there's just convergence just of bad stuff. Just a clusterfuck of... Yeah. <laughs> because I'm just thinking a lot of those things by themselves, I'm guessing, tell me if I'm wrong, like, wouldn't make for a show being terrible right. by itself. Some of those things would be like, oh, it was cold out. Like, yeah, that happens sometimes. Right, or, oh, I broke a pastry. string, okay. Right. Wouldn't make the show <laughs> terrible. It could right. just be like, oh, it was an okay show. It was 
pretty fucking cold. Right. But then, like, the cold and then leading to the whiskey and then the cold, the bass string. But the cold context. leading to the uh, busted wood stove causing right. the room to the fill smoke. up with smoke. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, um, do you get the sense that those people hadn't done, like, had they been doing shows for a while or... Uh, it's got to be a regularly occurring theme if they're like if their only way to heat the place is a wood stove that fills the place up with smoke. I mean, it's got to it's got to be bad for attendance all around. <laughs> like, I can't believe it was just your show. That yeah, I think that they more just do occasional shows and then okay. mostly focus on things like food not bombs. You know, oh, like, right? That's what you were saying. It's like if they mostly do organizing. Yeah. Gotcha. So at the show, you know, they had like a table full of like free stale bread that you could eat. And right. <laughs> like, and I guess... um, lots of political zines and lots of like a screen printing area full of like political posters and t-shirts. Yeah. And <laughs> I just think about how, you know, if you're, if you're committed to food, not bombs, if you're like going to this meeting to do, you know, plan something, some protest, you or, probably yeah. are going to, you're in it for the long haul and you'll deal with being cold and and uncomfortable right but if you're just going to a show there's different levels of commitment like some people right. are like no i love this band i'm here to see this fucking band i will and freeze then, my ass off and breathe in smoke to see right. this band it's, <laughs> yeah. but it's hard when you need people to be at that level of commitment to go to you know it's yeah. nice it's nice to have people that are like i heard there was a show i'm gonna check it out right and right. people at that level of commitment are not gonna stick they around might, actually let's go somewhere else like, actually <laughs> This is not fun. Yep. I thought it would be fun, but it's not. We can go somewhere else now <laughs> yep. instead. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, so that's rough. That is that's a word of advice I think for for DIY folks out there who are putting on shows. Make the place some place that people want to hang out. Some place where it's <laughs> sounds really obvious, breathable, and but warm. it's not. It, it gets missed sometimes. Do you know Neil Campau? Are you familiar with him at all? He does do DIY.org. That's mm-hmm. like his website. Yeah. He put out a zine a few years ago called Building, and it's all recommendations, suggestions for people who want to start DIY spaces. Mm-hmm. It's like tips from somebody who's toured a shit ton. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so you're interested in DIY venue. Here are some things to consider. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so good. I usually buy a bunch of copies of it and sell it on my merch table pretty much at the same cost that I buy it for. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't make any money off of it, but I feel personally invested in more people knowing these things. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's funny to, I have it there and I'm always stoked when people who are running a venue either buy it or just leaf through it. Mm-hmm. Like either way, like even if you don't buy it, if you just like read some stuff in it, there's good information in there. Yeah. Cause it's, it's awkward to like suggest it to people and be like, <laughs> here's a thing that you should read. Because yep. <laughs> you need to, yep. <laughs> because you don't know what you're doing yet. But one of the things is just about like making your venue a safe place for everybody, you know, trans and queer, like inclusive. That's like everyone of every color is welcome there. Mm-hmm. And like what you need to do to make sure that's right. the case and not just say it because right. obviously like not a just lot put of, a sign on the door. You're welcome here. Right. <laughs> like a lot of uh, restaurants in Portland. <laughs> It's a very, very, very good thing to do right now, which I'm all for, but yeah, it's funny. Sometimes there's, you need to take more steps than just putting a sign on the door. Sometimes you do. And like, and especially in smaller towns, but in larger cities too, you kind of, you get a sense of your scene. And if there's like a white supremacist or a fucking homophobe or something that's like coming to your shows, you need to be aware of that and like decide what you're going to do about it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, in addition to that more like 
political stuff there is also just general safety and safety but just things like just talks about how like if you can provide a place to sleep for bands like that's not something that everybody knows mm-hmm. you know i think in the diy scene most places it's it's usually an option but it's not always but then again talking about it and actually being in a, a comfortable space as opposed to like squalor yeah. <laughs> you know you know and i i do think of that too and i think i've said this on this show before but how like in my probably early mid 20s mm-hmm. you know i was just like cool any place to sleep is a good place to sleep you know yep, yep. any <laughs> band I, to play with is a good band to play with and any show to play is a good place right to show. right right and then and you get more selective <laughs> yeah and sometimes you get selective because you get better at what you're doing and you you just can and so mm-hmm. like of course you know you have more options yeah i would have i would have been more selective if i had the option mm-hmm. when i was 21 but i didn't so right. i was doing whatever i'd play coffee shops you know or play any place that would have me right um or the thing you're talking about where you have the you have the experience and you're like i am not doing this anymore (laughs) (laughs) right you're like like, if i can't find any place to play in this town except for this shitty bar like let's just skip that town let's just not we don't have to play at that shitty bar we can go camping that night instead or something but i think i'm i think for me and it's a big part of me having my big old van that was such a clutch like game changer for me which was like oh i don't want to have to sleep on some like bachelor bros like beer soaked couch <laughs> that with like you know with like people playing video games 10 feet from me right all night or something exactly. like i don't want to do that <laughs> yeah. uh, actually holland was telling me about a story where she was I don't remember if she said this on the show or if it was just when we were talking afterwards. But uh, she played some show. I think it was in Chico, California. The guy that set up the show was a total sweetheart. was, like, great and, like, gave her a place to stay. But he, he was, she was staying on his couch. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he was, like, right next to her while she was going to sleep, like, playing video games or something. Yep. And it, like, totally didn't mean... I th- It sounded like... It wasn't it wasn't like a menacing thing it wasn't like he was like checking her out or something it was just like not being aware that like if you're on tour and you want to go sleep now <laughs> it's nice if people like leave you alone yeah. and let you just do your thing and then also when you're a guest you don't want it, to it's not easy to make certain requests that yeah, no, totally. Yeah, like, I can't like, imagine that situation. If I was, if I was in her you place, just I wouldn't be like, be like I'm grateful hey, that I have anywhere to be. Can so. you, can you go now? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't know how to it's say like, that. It's like, oh, it's your all. house. It's your house. But now you have your house with you on wheels, so you don't have to worry about that scenario. Yeah, that's, that's pretty. That reminds, yeah. the, when you were talking about um, your friend's zine about uh, DIY spaces yeah. building, it reminded me of another zine that, um, I don't know if she ever made it, but you know that sing- that singer Diane Cluck. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was telling me that uh, she had this idea for a zine for touring artists about how to be healthy and take care of yourself on tour uh, that's, because that's good, yeah. it's such a common thing for people to get super sick halfway yeah. through tour just because they're not sleeping or eating totally. well or anything. Yeah. You know? And um, I would love to see that. I'd be curious what she said. I'm a lot healthier now than I was. When I started this tour ten years ago, mm-hmm. but I still kind of 
am not the epitome of health. <laughs> yeah. I still eat a lot of hamburgers. Yeah, yeah. Is what I mostly think about. Well, like, my last tour was amazing because um, my band had so much more setup time because we you know we had bass and drum and viola and violin and three vocalists. Um, okay. But then we were touring with a solo artist who does looping and yeah. um, she didn't really have that much to set up and um, I actually got a tip this tip from um, Darian from Edible Onion which yeah. is to bring um, a rice cooker on tour yeah. and then uh, once you get to the venue and it's time to sound check and set up you don't have to also think what am I going to do about dinner and then you're like running to the taco cart next door right. or scrambling so um, you know our original plan was just that we would take turns each night of tour um like cooking for the rest of the tour mates yeah but it turned out that actually um in De it was in dira valley um you know while we were all setting up all our stuff and sound checking it she would just be done and so she would go backstage plug in the rice cooker and cook us all dinner right. <laughs> um and That's then awesome. like by the time we finished setting up and sound checking she'd be like dinner's ready <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you are amazing. <laughs> What's her name? Indira Valley. She's local here. Indira Valley. Or, or Indira Valley, yeah. Indira um, Valley, okay. Yeah, so none of us got sick. None of us were puking or having stomach <laughs> viruses or right. laryngitis. Or right, right. <laughs> but yeah, I would be curious to see if, if Diane Cluck, if she's got something. Um, Thor Harris wrote a much smaller it's not a zine it's just like a blog where mm -hmm. do you ever see that mm -hmm. uh it's called how to tour in a band or whatever i think <laughs> i've mentioned it on this show a couple how to times. tour in a band or whatever yeah it's very <laughs> much it's i mean thor is a lovely lovely human but he writes it in this very like grumpy <laughs> condescending <laughs> voice uh, -huh. uh which is not his voice at all and people that know him know that's but a it's, lot of times people's writers voices are very different than their usual voice yeah i don't think it's his voice normally even as far as writing but mm -hmm. he just for this thing it's written like someone who's clearly fed up with his bandmates being <laughs> jackasses is what it's, and i um, think it he said he actually wrote it with his bandmates so it was not like directed at them right but it was like a collective like everyone venting on like <laughs> what drives them crazy about people who don't know how to tour in a band mm -hmm. and some of it's just like like driver picks music mm -hmm. you know one person navigates yep. preferably whoever's in shotgun just right. like something really simple yeah that if you just everyone's on the same page will <laughs> avoid some conflict yeah another uh, reason why my last tour was so great too is that we all my bandmates Anne and Dira had like a meeting before the tour where we just like assigned different roles. Like, yeah. okay, like this person is the um, the uh, gear loading top, and like okay. they're the one who has the skills right. for Tetrising everything. Exactly, Tetris masters. And the gear instead calling. of having too many cooks in the kitchen, and like yeah, this person is really good at time management, so they're the time top. You know, that was definitely not me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And, and we all just figured out, like, what are our skills and what are our um, yeah. not skills? Um, and yeah. then, like, thinking about all the roles that are needed in tour and then having that be out in the open so that, you know, the person who has chronic back pain isn't carrying the gear, but there's no resentment or confusion about it. It's just right. like, okay, you, but you're, totally, you're totally. the one who cooked breakfast this morning for everyone. So, right. like, totally. there That's isn't this really underlying smart. tension where you're seeing what you're doing and you're not seeing all the things that everyone else is doing, you right. know? It was just like, okay, 
That's we, so smart. We all have a role and we're a team, and it's right. it worked out really well. <laughs> it's very much. I feel like it's very much like relationships where, if you're clear about your needs and your desires and your shortcomings, limitations, and, and yeah. everything, then it's so much better. Mm-hmm. And then instead of there being resentment, well, this is a deal we worked out already. Right. Like, <laughs> I'm a terrible cook. Uh, but, but you're, you're a good cook. Wa- yep. But I'll, I'll wash take, all the dishes I'll afterwards. Do the dishes. I'll take the trash <laughs> out. I'll do. You know, like you figure out you, your yep. your strengths, and hopefully, if you if you come to like a solid consensus, then it's not an issue. Yeah. But yeah, I've definitely had tours with other folks where somebody wasn't pulling their weight, and then you're like, Ugh, how are you the drummer and you don't carry as much stuff in? How do you have the most stuff and not carry stuff? And that's bullshit. Yeah. You know. And if if that person had been like, hey, I like physically can't do that, or if they'd like talk to us about some like legit, like, they were in fact just being lazy. But, right, right. But if they're uh, like, I have a back problem, yeah, or whatever, that would have been a different situation. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, I've also toured with folks who were like, yeah, I I can't carry this amp upstairs. Like that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like okay, we will we will help. <laughs> we, got, we got your back, yeah. <laughs> literally. Uh, <laughs> yeah, literally. Oh, that one also has things the only thing that I thought of that relates to the health is it said something like if you're not if you feel like shit maybe try drinking less <laughs> yes <laughs> and, and it's something about like not everyone is suited to self-destruction <laughs> or something <laughs> like that but like yeah if you mm-hmm. drink at every show yep you're probably gonna feel shitty definitely <laughs> that's not rocket science but <laughs> sometimes it's it's helpful to point it out yeah. And I, I, a lot of times, too, I have people... And also, if you never drink at any show, and you drink at one show, <laughs> <laughs> that's bad. then you will also feel shitty and perform shittily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was my case in Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, that would probably be the case. For me. I, don't, I don't really drink either. But also, when people ask me... I, I, I find this all the time, where because I tour all the time, rock bands... And they're like, whoa, you've been on tour for 10 years. And then they imagine how they tour and doing that for 10 years. Right. And they're like, I would die. Like, yeah, you'd totally die. Probably would die. <laughs> if you just like partied every night for 10 years, you'd just be dead. Probably. <laughs> like if you're taking all kinds of drugs and alcohol. And, nope, I'm not doing that. This episode of Worst Show Ever was made possible by the Patreon pledges of Dewana Flyman, Meg Roberts, Christina Poez, and Evan Quayberg. If you'd like to support this endeavor, please go to patreon.com slash worst 